But let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, who you are is so important and who we are, Lord God, to trust in you. Lord, you've given me some words this week. We pray for your guidance, uh, your protection and your blessing, Father. Thank you for our church. We thank you for our pastor, Lord, that who has continued to seek your will in this church, Father. We just thank you for that. Give me the words, Lord. May it not be me, but may you speak through me this morning, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. So I want to talk about prayer and how important prayer is in my life, because uh, prayer is one of those things that really sought me through in many avenues of my life. But before I talk about prayer, I want to talk about diet um, and kind of combine the two together. <laughs> when you pray, like one of the, a lot of things people pray, like, oh, Lord, bless the hands that made the food and uh, make this nourishing in my body, right? So how do you do that when you go to McDonald's? Like, you're having, like, a double cheeseburger with all this cholesterol, and it's really going to affect you. So, you know, I guess you're really praying by faith, Lord, make this cholesterol and this, all these things not affect me. <laughs> but I really appreciate our pastor who works all week, every week, to give us a message, um, a spiritual meal that I don't know if you've gone to many other churches, but Pastor Tom when he speaks it, it's multi-layered. There's so many contextual messages that he brings in the Old Testament. I mean, believe me, I, I got saved at a church that all the pastor gave every Sunday was like a message of salvation, and he kept going with it, and it was an amazing church. You know, a lot of people got saved, and um, Pastor Tom has given such a deep message each time. So you, if you don't know, which I'm sure you do, such a I appreciate it. Now, I'm just going to give you an appetizer today because I don't really have that depth, but I will make this moment that God gave me, you know, so whether it's an appetizer, hopefully we'll get out of here a little early as we can begin our day. Uh, I want to talk about what God has done in my life through faith, through obedience, and hopefully maybe encourage one of you guys here today. Now, recently, I changed careers in my life. I was in, I worked for the news, and God, through a, it was a, totally a God thing. And I'll get into that a little bit later. For the last 17 years, I worked for local news stations. In fact, one of the main reasons why, not one of the, the main reason why I came to Bakersfield was for a job in the news, Channel 17, back in 2000. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to be here for like three years or two years because I want to get out of here fast and go back to L.A. Uh, but Bakersfield, there's something about it. You can talk all you want about the air quality and all you can about oil there, whatever the case, but God is, it's something special here. And the city says uh, life as it should be, and it really is. But the news can be negative. It's about getting clicks. It's about getting views. It's about all these things. And, and being a believer in the industry was really hard because I wanted to find the positive, and sometimes there wasn't the positive. You just couldn't do a positive story on a fatality or a molestation or a shooting. You can't. But one day, they said, Mark, we want you to do a story about a church decline in America and that less and less people are coming to church, and it was all these reports. This is about 2013 or something like that. I did this story, and I want to show it to you. But I thought to myself, okay, church decline. Well, I go to church. There's no decline there. We're a small church, and there's Valley Baptist and Valley Bible and the bridge and all these churches. I don't see any declines there. So Bakersfield must be utopia in that respect. And I know a pastor I can talk to. So let's, uh, let's uh, click on that video. 
Has the modern church lost its effectiveness? Church attendance has been on a decline nationwide. And 23 ABC's Mark Christian live tonight in Northwest Bakersfield to explain how some local churches are staying connected with the community. Mark. Well, Tim, those numbers are staggering as one recent report suggests that 3,500 people will walk away from church every day. And next year, 1.2 million are expected to follow suit. But for one local pastor, those numbers, it's not all doom and gloom. So how do local pastors handle the news that fewer people are sitting in the pews? For me, I don't think that's necessarily cause for a funeral. I think that's cause for reform. Church has been a place for many to go for comfort, purpose, and connection. Um, I grew up in church. I, I don't know what it's like to just say, I, I don't want to go. Um, I don't need it. I've always needed it. Throughout the country, church attendance has been on the decline for decades, as many say they feel that lack of connection. Some of the, the things that the American churches use to attract um, people is, is really image-oriented. You know, we have the big screen TVs, we have the beautiful building, you know, we have the beautiful people, but, but really I think um, Jesus is, is more concerned with the internal. Local pastors say churches can get caught up in programs and forget the true meaning of faith. An important aspect of church is love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And we need to get back to that more than ever. Pastor Tom Nackey of LifePoint Church says churches need to make people feel comfortable and safe while being relevant to what's going on in the community without compromising the true message of the gospel. Our particular area, Kern County, is far more of a community than many areas I see. So I think it's probably not declining as much as, as people may think, but, uh, but that's largely because we fostered community. And I think churches are a great place to have that spiritual community, especially under the banner of the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Now, the report also suggests that many people are not going to traditional church because many churches are offering their sermons online, so therefore they're staying at home. Back to you. Wow, right? I had to bring Tom into it. Now, I just checked that Ashley, she's going to church. She works on Sundays, and so I just, Ashley um, was one of the youth, one of the young lady. We saw Caitlin and Ashley and, of course, Pastor Tom. Um, but anyways, my son wanted to tell me while I was sitting there, he's like, Mark, his dad, don't forget to tell them about in China. Uh, there was a church in China, just if you probably saw the news, that the uh, government blew it up because they weren't registered. Um, so that was a lie. He was telling me what the government did was a lie. The churches need to be registered, but that's the way things things would happen. So it was one of those amazing, <laughs> one of those amazing things that uh, um, it can be good. So let's talk about how to hear God's voice. You know, we live in a world where it's so many distractions. Um, we all have questions about our life. You know, who am I going to marry for the younger people? Am I going to save enough money for retirement? Um, where am I going to live? Where am I going to go to school? How am I raising my kids? Am I raising my kids in the right way? As a dad, I think about those things all the time. Now, wouldn't it be great to hear God's voice loud and clear every time you had a question? Like, it would be awesome, you know, but God does speak, and that voice sometimes uh, is a little quiet, and sometimes it's really loud. Uh, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11, for, It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, that's something that, like, wow, all right, God, 
you want to give me a future and a hope. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what struggle I'm going through, or how I'm living, or how many bills I have, or what's going on with my kids, God has a future and a hope, a plan for my life, something that I can hold on to. And through faithfulness and through obedience, God makes the dots connect in my life um, to hear his voice better. In John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So there's an obedience message right there. Because when you follow something, you're being obedient to it. And hearing God's voice, sometimes it's like, do you hear God's voice? Is it you that's talking, or is it the world that's talking? Is it really his voice? So to have that discernion, have a discerning mind. Who's talking in this scenario in my life where I need direction? Is it God's voice? Is it my voice? Is it the world's voice? How do you know the difference? Three times God showed up in my life with a powerful, powerful voice where I knew something was going on. Other times, you know, you're driving down the street and you got some problems and you think, oh, yeah, I'll do that or, or I'll do that. And sometimes we can put our trust in ourselves when you do this or do that. And, you know, God cares about the minute details in our life. He really does. He cares about the huge things, the small things, and everything in between. But three times in my life, God has really moved. And the first was back in 1988. I was uh, helping out uh, at this church. Actually, I was the, just became the youth pastor at this place called Chatsworth Foursquare Church. I helped out the youth pastor in 1986. I loved and I wanted to serve the Lord, and I just was helping him out. Well, I was at the mall one day with my girlfriend and in Northridge, Northridge Fashion Square, and all of a sudden, this powerful feeling came over me. I don't know what it was. I never experienced experienced it before? Was it a premonition where we can have an earthquake? But I clearly knew something was up, and it wasn't just a regular, like, oh, that's an emotional. No, it was like a powerful thing. So we didn't have cell phones back then. And so I just kind of like, all right, and just did my day. And I came home, and after I came home, got a phone call that our pastor who founded the church in 1955, uh, he had massive heart attack, and he died right there on the spot while doing his uh, gardening. And he was like in his 70s, and he was like one of these powerful men of God, just like Holy Spirit and, you know, just praying for healing. He was like awesome. So I was under that ministry. So that feeling I had that moment at the hospital or at the hospital, at the mall was the same time that this happened. And I couldn't explain it. Why would God just come at that moment and kind of put a, a feeling, a mood, a, um, uh, an emotion on me, if that's what I could say? Uh, so at that point in time, the pastor... Who, the, the pastor died, the youth pastor became the pastor, and I was one of the helpers that I became the pastor, a youth pastor. So that was that confusing? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, what am I saying there? So the youth pastor became the pastor, and I became the youth pastor in 1988 at Chatsworth Foursquare. And they started putting me through school. I was going to uh, the King's Institute, which was Life Bible College, and uh, I just wanted to serve God. And Fast forward to 1991, I was working at the church, I was working part-time at Valley Book and Bible, and working part-time at a Christian radio station. So, it was a lot going on in my life, and God, all of a sudden, I'm at the Valley Book and Bible, I'm at the register, ringing up like Amy Grant or Stephen Curtis Chapman, I don't know which one, and all of a sudden, I just this feeling, this strong feeling, once again, came over me, and this time, I had a better understanding, oh, it's God, but I didn't know what it was saying, and it, the message was, you're leaving. And for weeks, for weeks, this feeling wouldn't leave me that I was leaving, serving God, 
I was in my early 20s. I was like, where am I leaving? I thought I was dying. I thought this was God, you know, or maybe I'm going crazy, right? That I'm dying, you know? But I'm leaving. So the idea was, okay, I should like get my stuff in order. My house, my room was a mess being a, a single guy. Uh, not much better as a married guy. But my wife. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being facetious. But there was one of those things where I just, I knew I had to organize my life because I was dying. And about three weeks later, the manager at the radio station in Simi Valley was called the Voice of Hope. And I would go there and I worked part-time and I would like have a, a little bit of a radio program, but I'd, you know, play Amy Grant and those kind of things. And I would talk about the Lord. And it was shortwave radio and it was awesome. But they had a station in Israel. And he said to me, how would you like to move to Israel and head up the radio station over there? And I'm like, well, that's what God was trying to tell me, that I'm going there. And it's like, it's one of those things being led by him. But if I could just tell you how powerful that was, that feeling that he spoke to me at the Valley Book and Bible, that I am leaving and not knowing what that meant for three weeks, but hearing that voice, hearing that emotion in my heart that God wanted to do something in my life, and he was preparing me. So was I any better than anybody else because I heard his voice? No, I'm not at all because I would, maybe I was open to it at that moment. So to fast forward a little bit, I uh, was in Israel from, two, from 90, 1991. I came back in 1993 and I came back to the church and I they kept my spot warm and I continued being a youth pastor. And, you know, God moved and God did some amazing things in my life during that time. Fast forward to 2000, I was working part-time at the church and part-time at this station called KCAL 9 in Los Angeles. And thinking in my life, what does God have for me? I don't want to be a pastor one day, but I love serving in my local church, so I need to, like, pay my bills. So I was living in Chatsworth, California, and that feeling came over me again that I'm moving. And this time I kind of knew it. It wasn't like I wasn't researching Bakersfield. I just was, like, going there, and I thought maybe I'd just, you know, end up working for KCAL and just, Working part, you know, you don't really think sometimes about your future. You just like you kind of go along with the plan, and you know, life is kind of like connect the dots. That game that you, when you're a kid, you do one, two, three, four, and you, when you first open the page, all it is is numbers of one to like twenty-seven, and just a bunch of dots. But when you start connecting them, hey, it begins to make sense. So that's kind of like what my life was like. I really didn't know what was going on next. So God put this feeling on me again from 1988 to all the way to, I'm sorry, 1991, last time I heard his voice. So it was like nine years when I heard it really strong again. It's, you're moving. And about a week later, I found out about a position at Channel 17 in Bakersfield, and I came up here for an interview. And I remember <laughs> I stayed the night at some hotel, and I, I got here because I left church on Wednesday night, and I drove up to Bakersfield, and I got like a suit and whatever. And I didn't have any shoes with me. I had some... I had some tennis shoes, and I go, oh, my gosh. So I went to Mervyn's. You know where Mervyn's is now? It's Holly Lobby. And I'm in line, and I'm like, I bought some. I just figure I'll throw that in. <laughs> Be prepared. One of the things that come back to you. Uh, but God did tell me I was leaving, and I left, and my life changed ever since. Um, and I just want to say God wants to communicate with you. He wants to share he wants you to know him better. And some of you, like me, have heard God's voice. Powerful. You're like, wow, this must be, you know, like crazy. I must be crazy. But no, it's a powerful voice. And others, if you hear him in a still, small voice that leads you and guides you and gives you wisdom. So one of the best things to do to hear God's voice, because we all need to hear God's voice better. 
better than we do now. I'd like to hear God's voice more. I don't want it to be every 15 years or every 10 years where it's powerful and then a move happens. I want it to be like, God, what do I do in this decision? Or what do I do in that decision? Well, the first thing you do is you remove distractions. We are so filled with distractions in our life, everything from our, our devices to our TV shows to life happening all around us, the distractions of life. You're not going to hear God's voice with the distractions of life that we submit to every day. Make time to pray every day. No matter what you do, how busy you are, how tired you are. And I don't mean like, you know, I hear some people say, I prayed for three hours this morning. I'm like, wow, you know, you are amazing. I, can, I can't pray for three hours. But I can pray with my whole heart, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes or three minutes. So if you pray with your whole heart, it doesn't need to be one of those, like, marathon-long prayers. Um, are you listening to God? It reminds me of a story of a man who he was with his wife, and he was concerned that she was going deaf. He didn't want to talk to her about it because he was felt embarrassed or he didn't know how to handle it. So he talked to his doctor. He's like, doctor, I feel like my wife's going deaf. I don't know what to do. And he says, well, before you can give her medical treatment or you have her seek medical treatment, there's a little test you can do to see where she's at on that scale. So maybe from like 40 feet away, like ask her a question in a normal voice and see if she responds. If she doesn't move closer and then closer until she responds. So the next day, she's in the kitchen making dinner and he's in the garage, and he opens the door, and he's like, in a normal voice, honey, what's for dinner? And he waits, nothing. Then he figures, okay, let's go a little closer. It goes about 10 feet closer. Honey, what's for dinner? And still nothing. And now he's getting a little discouraged. I think she really does have a problem with hearing. So he walks just about 10 feet away, and honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Now he's like really discouraged. So he goes up right behind her and says, honey, What's for dinner? She turns around and says, for the fifth time, we're having meatloaf. <laughs> Who's the one with the hearing problem here, right? When you think it's... But it's also talking about moving closer. It's to hear God's voice. Because we can't hear God's voice when we're far away. When we're focused on ourselves... When we're and we need to focus on our job. We need to focus on our family. That's important. But is, where is that in relation to your faith in God? Where is that focus? So you need to move closer to God. And how you move closer to God is through prayer and through singing and through reading your Bible. I know one thing about me is I don't read my Bible as much as I know I should. And I don't like I should or I shouldn't. It's healthier for you as a believer to read your Bible. But one thing I do more Every day as I pray, God, help me, lead me, guide me, show me the direction you want me to go. God's talking. Are you listening? He's talking to us every day. Every day he wants to talk to us, know, hear us. He wants to know us. He wants to know our hearts, what we want. Because he knows, actually, even it says in the Word, he knows what we, even before word is on our tongue, he knows it completely. If you can't hear God, I say move closer to him. In Matthew 6, verses 6 through 8, I love this because it talks about, like, removing distractions. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So, bam. 
God knows what we need before we ask him, and he knows even our words before they're on our tongue. So he knows us, guys. He knows our thoughts. He knows our emotions. He knows everything about us. So why would we hide from him? Why would we hide our sins or our struggles? Like, let's be transparent before God and let him do it. I love the fact that says, go into your room, shut the door, remove everything, turn the TV off, put the phone out of the room. You know, that's pretty much in our society what's it saying now. Get alone with God. If you can get alone with Him, He can really speak to your life even more. I love to pray with results. Having a relationship with God. Walking in forgiveness. Now, let's talk about having a relationship with God. It's one of those things. You have a relationship with your wife. You have a relationship with your coworkers, with your neighbor. Because what's, what's happening there? There's a communication there. Because you have a relationship, there's communication. So if you're not hearing God's voice and what he wants for your life, where's the communication? Is there any communication? Because if you can go through the whole week and not pray one time, then I can guarantee you're not having much communication with God. And how much better your life is when you communicate with God. How much better your life is with your spouse when you communicate? You know, it's one of those things, that two-way open door. Now, walking in forgiveness. We make mistakes. We're humans, right? But to walk in that forgiveness, because you're going to have an open path if you're walking in forgiveness. When you make a mistake, when you sin, you God, forgive me. But also, it's twofold. Because in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Lord, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. So, God's not forgiving us our sins if we're not forgiving others. So when you go to pray and you're having like, you know, you, how many have a coworker or a neighbor or somebody you're angry at or you're mad at or something they said or something they did or a family member that you have a, 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 a broken relationship because there's anger or there's hurt. If there's a broken relationship where you're having harboring anger, chances are your prayers aren't going to be effective because you're harboring something in there. So I say, as difficult as it is, whatever broken relationship, I just sense there's a broken relationship with a family member that maybe is years gone by that needs to be dealt with. If you're in a situation where you have something, a family member that you just hate, you can't deal with, or you just they're not important to you, examine that a little better and see if you can maybe mend a relationship in there. Now, don't pray while harboring unconfessed sins. If you've got a sin of anger or you're having a problem with the Internet or having a problem with, with uh, too much shopping or spending, whatever the, our sin may be, if you're having a problem with that kind of stuff, like we all are, like we're all humans, confess it before God and thank Him for His forgiveness. When I sometimes I pray, I don't like, you know, like I'm going to Catholic Church and, oh, Father, bless me for I've sinned. No, no, no. It's like, God, you know my heart. You know I've sinned here. You know I've had this anger here. I just thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you because I accepted Jesus years ago. I thank him for his forgiveness, and I move on to keep that relationship in smooth working order. And I pray with your whole heart. How many times I've heard somebody, oh, I prayed about that. Okay, well, I, I don't know their heart, so I can't determine, but I know Sometimes with me, it's like, okay, oh, Lord, bless this, and Lord, help this person. It's, it's not really with my whole heart, and I've seen when I've had powerful prayers that are effective is when I pray with my whole heart, when I prayed with every gusto. And don't just pray for yourself. It's one of those things where pray for others in your church. There's needs. My wife and I uh, prayed a couple weeks ago over here, and we prayed for everybody we prayed for over there. We prayed for them all week. And I got a, a testimony later on the following week about somebody we prayed for. And I was like, wow, God, you are real. You are amazing. You do answer prayer. So pray for other people. 
because it helps you take the focus off yourself and God will move in their life. Be specific and intentional when you pray. Don't pray in general. I mean, you can pray in general. Oh, Lord, bless Bakersfield. You know, bless our city. No, no, pray for the leader if you're going to pray. I mean, I'm you don't have to pray for the leaders, but, you know, Lord, pray for my life. Okay, I pray for my life. And I pray for my job, a specific aspect of my job. So when you pray, it's helpful to be specific and intentional. And don't be a skeptic. As soon as you go to pray and you think, okay, God, yeah, for one, I don't know if you're really even real, uh, but I don't know if you're really going to move in this situation. Oh, Lord, please help this person. No, don't be a skeptic. If you're going to pray, know that God, he will hear you, and he will make a difference. In James 1, verse 6, now this specific verse is referring to some asking God for wisdom when you need wisdom and ask God for wisdom. But the message of prayer basically applies here too. So when you pray, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is just like the waves of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So don't doubt God. If you're going to pray, know that miracles he performs, lives he changes. The notable things I prayed for and received, my younger sister for years was on drugs. She has, and I don't know, it wasn't meth. It was meth just came up in the past decade. This was, it was before meth and after coke, but she was a drug addict. And we'd all, we, how many have had somebody in their life, a family member that's a, a drug addict? You know the drama and the problems and the victimization that's in their life. And it's just, the, the drama, just crazy. So one day my wife and I decided to pray for her. We prayed several months consistently, not just one time, consistently. I don't know what it is about praying for something and praying for something and praying for it and praying for it, but there's something about that, not repetitive out of being religious prayer, but that real heartfelt every day you pray. Every day you pray. My wife and I used to walk around the block, and every morning we'd walk, we'd get our exercise, and we pray. We pray about these things in our lives that we wanted to see change, and one of it was my sister, and the main prayer was that God would take the desire of drugs away from her, and this is something she did since high school, and she was in her like late 20s at that point. So the girl was doing drugs for decades. So it wasn't like, oh, she just tried it once. She was doing drugs, and we were afraid she was going to die. Matter of fact, one day, I forget what year, I was working at Channel 29. I got a call from my mom who lived in Arizona, and my sister lived there with her too at that point. And my mom was sobbing on the phone because my sister OD'd on drugs. And they didn't think she was going to make it. She had no brain activity, and we just the consequences of her life we were experiencing right there. So we prayed. I, I said, she's not going to, I didn't like fake. I just said, Lord, please save her life. Please spare. I flew over to Phoenix and we um, prayed with her there and still no brain activity. And then later over that night, brain activity came back and um, she survived it. And they thought, well, she's not going to be the same after that. And that was one of the things that the doctor said, she's not going to be the same. So a couple of days later, she's the same pain in the neck. <laughs> She's the same pain in the neck. Um, so whatever, so we came, so my sister made it through this one. She dodged a bullet there, but we kept praying. We kept praying and seeing a difference in her life and that she, that God would take away the desire of drugs. And it was on New Year's Eve, uh, like 2005, so about three years later, two years later, or even, I don't remember the exact time, but I called her to see how she's doing, and she told me about that night, and she told me she felt like she was dreaming and 
she calls it her Jesus capsule. Uh, it's weird, uh, but whatever she terminology she uses, that she was like dreaming, and then this is apparently around the time where she had no brain activity, and that Jesus came into her room and and gave her a capsule, and she swallowed it, and then she felt all the tingles, and she was normal again. And I said, okay, well, how about the drugs? How you doing there? And she says, I don't have the desire for drugs anymore. And I'm like, that's the same thing we prayed for. The same words. The same, well, thank you for that. Amen to that. She didn't have the desire for drugs anymore. We've been praying for, for years or months. I forget, how long was the sweetie we've been praying for for her before we saw the difference? It was a long time. Um, and now she lives in Sacramento. She's working for one of the TV stations up there. She's a, a producer for special assignments or something. Uh, but God did a miracle in her life because we prayed. I don't think she would have saw around the next corner about that. My mom had a, a, something called Fuchs dystrophy. It's in her eye, in both of her eyes, and affected her eyes. And one of their eyes, they wanted to do a, a, a transplant from a cadaver or whatever and put in another whatever. But Fuchs dystrophy, she had, and I remember that word. So we prayed for healing for her as we walked, as we Lord, heal my mom's eyes. May she feel the warmth of healing over her. And sure enough, she told me like several months later after that, that yes, got up one morning doing laundry or doing something, and I felt my eyes get really warm, and now I can see so much better. <laughs> this is, I mean, this, I ain't no, I should be like, hey, I'm going to preach until you give an offering. <laughs> Where are you at, Shannon? <laughs> this isn't one of those things you hear on TV, televangelists praying for. No, this is something that happened in my life, something that I've seen in my life with prayer. Um, and lastly, uh, I have a new job with the Bakersfield Skitty School District, uh, and that was the God thing I was talking about earlier. So I moved to Bakersfield. I wanted to work for the news. And then I started thinking after years and years, when you're on TV, you're on a contract. And not everybody's like Jim Scott or Carol Ferguson. By the way, Carol Ferguson retired a couple years ago, and I loved Carol working with her. But everyone has a contract. So you'll see a lot of faces come and go, come and go, come and go. And you see one or two or three stick around for a few years. Well, I like to hear. I want to stick around. And I knew that contracts, you know, uh, this, you get older, and they're like, hey, thank you for your years of service, and goodbye. Or you have a management change. And the guy that hired you is no longer there, but now there's somebody new, and long story. So I knew that one day, you know, all the money I saved in a 401k wasn't going to be enough, and I liked it in Bakersfield. So one day, this, this friend of mine, she used to work in news, too. She worked at BCSD. I mean, she uh, worked at Bakersfield City School District. I saw her at BCSD. I saw her at the Cal State doing a story. She told me about this job that had to do with communications. And I said, how much does it pay? And I'm like, wow. And I said, does it have a pension? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, I want this job. This is the job I want. This is like a year and a half ago. So I go home, tell my wife about it, and we start praying. We start praying. And it's going months and months, and I call her up every once in a while. Hey, did that guy retire, or do they open up a new position? Because she was talking about them getting a new position uh, that she created. And nothing, nothing, nothing. And, um, but we're still praying. We're still praying. Matter of fact, even Heather and Steve, I, over there, I said, right, like, you know, halfway through, I'm like, I, can you guys agree with me in prayer that this job's going to open up? And they, they prayed. And so I'm praying. I got other people to pray. And I'm like, just sticking with it. So... I would love to say I got the job and I was good as God's will. But no, it was, it was one of those things where God had to really show me, too, 
that he was working in this situation. So where I work at Channel 23, there's a production manager who also, unbeknownst to me, was going for the same job. And this guy kind of had a little more better resume for some reason, and I'm like, okay, God. And he knew the hiring manager better than me because they worked together at Telemundo or Univision, um, and they went to college, something like that. But hey, it doesn't matter, I'm praying for it. Well, we, him and I have this little conversation. He says, you're going for the job? I go, yeah, you're going for the job? Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right. Let's, if you get in, get me in, that's what I said. And um, one day I find out he got the job, the job I've been praying for. And I could have been angry. I could have been like, God, this is my job. What's the deal about praying when, you know, I mean, I didn't do that because I know that's wrong, but I'm still human and I'm still frustrated. And, um, but I said, okay. Then it wasn't meant to be because that's the whole thing I prayed for a year. God opened this door. I want this job, but if, only if it's meant to be in your will. And um, so he told me that he took the job. We saw him down the hallway one day and he, he said this very word to me. He goes, as soon as I accepted the job, I felt instant turmoil in my life. He says, I couldn't sleep for two days. So I told him, I'm not taking the job. <laughs> I'm like, that's because I prayed for it. <laughs> oh, man. So, but things that I prayed for, I did not receive. You know, it's not magic. God has a plan. Uh, my brother in 2012 was severely burned. And he was in UCLA or USC County Hospital. And he was alive for like third-degree burns all over his body. And we went down every week. My wife and I, Connor, was like two years old or a year old. And we prayed every week. I even felt the Holy Spirit. Like my mom, my sister, a few my aunts were all there. And I prayed. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit in that, in that room. And I, oh, God, you're going to heal him. But I'm looking at like this burned body that was my brother. And he ended up passing away of staff. He had a staph infection in the hospital. And then earlier, uh, last year, my sister, had, my, my older sister, the one I told you earlier, was my younger sister. My older sister, um, uh, my older sister had cancer, and she had a battle, and, and she lost it last year. But we prayed. We prayed. We prayed for God's healing, for God's movement. So sometimes God answers prayer, and sometimes he doesn't. And I don't know the answer why he answers some prayers and some other prayers he doesn't. I will say this, though. If you're praying and you're doing spiritual battle in your life for somebody or, or, or praying for healing, take everybody out of the room who's not in full agreement of what God can do. Amen. Because you can see God move in a room powerful. and God, Now, God can move in every situation, no matter who's there. You know, there could be a Satanist in the room and you can pray and God's going to heal somebody's arm, right? But maybe for us, for our strength, for our ability to pray, it's good to pray for with a room full of people who also believe what you do, that you will not be in your own self holding back. Um, I know the main key is trusting God, even though you don't get your prayers answered. Um, in John, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that's key. Sometimes his will doesn't line up with what I want. I don't know why people have to die, especially when you don't want them to or when there's a young child who dies. That's not your will, God. How could it be your will? Because, of course, it isn't God's will. But sometimes we live in a world where people make 
bad decisions. I used to tell people who'd tell me and get angry, they'd be like, if there was a God, then that drunk driver wouldn't have hit that person. And I'm like, I still want to get into that kind of debate. But I will say this, God's given us free will. That free will will cause consequences that will affect other people's lives. So don't ever get caught up with, if there was God, then this bad thing wouldn't happen or that bad thing wouldn't happen. If I decide to get drunk, get in a car and floor it, and I end somebody's life because of my bad decisions, that's not God's will. But his will was to give me free will. If we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked him. Let's have the worship team come forward. And as they come forward, I want to... um, ask you a few questions. Do you need God to move in your life right now? Is there something that happened in your life that you need? Are you facing a difficult decision? We all have our needs, some big, some small. And the question is, are you putting your trust and your faith in Jesus? That's a simple question today. I looked at the clock and I'm like, okay, I better... I didn't think it would happen. I, I didn't think I'd be able to talk this long. <laughs> but, but amen, amen. But it's the passion. It's the passion that what God can do in your life mixed with a couple of stories of how God has moved in my life and what he's done. And he's no respecter of person because if he moved in my life, he would definitely move in yours. And I guarantee you, you've got some good stories too. And how good it is that we go to a church that believes in the power of God, believes in the power of prayer, believes in healings, believes in miracles. And if you believe in that, then you need to continue to walk in that and pray for others and pray for others when they got problems in their life. So, Father, in Jesus' name, as the worship team plays, and we thank you. We thank you for all of this, Lord, in our lives, that you know what we need even before we ask Let me ask you today, is there something in your life that you want God to move in, a specific situation that you want us to pray for this morning? If you have anything in your life that you want prayer for, just kind of look up at me or lift your hand up. I want to know that, amen, 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 amen. Father, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that we can come to you in prayer We can come to you in faith, knowing that you hear us. We give you thanks, Lord. And if there's somebody in this room that just says, you're talking a foreign language to me about prayer, about Jesus, I don't understand it. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, and you want to know him better and know this power that we spoke of today, if you've been there, but you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. If that's you here today, then I want to pray for you that you would receive him as well. If you've never accepted the Lord in your heart, then lift up your hand or look up at me, and so I will pray with you. Amen. Father, I thank you for everyone who is here, for their lives, for their decisions that we can trust in you, Lord, that we would continue to worship you, to know you, and to trust you. In Jesus' name.